1: Listen, I don't want to take up a whole lot of time. We got some good things to get into, like the Word of God. But it is my distinct honor and privilege to introduce uh, our speaker, who doesn't really need an in- introduction. Uh, if you are, uh, if you are part of our church family, man, what a change! I was just talking to somebody today uh, about the changes that have happened in our church over the last 16, 17 years. And um, we are truly debtors. And We've talked a little bit in recent weeks for our church about Mark Trotter and uh, how he came and brought discipleship, taught our church about that. But that was under the the direction of our pastor and uh, under his leading of Pastor Joe McCaig. And so this church owes a great debt to you. Not just for that. But for 15 years of being the best shepherd that any flock could have, and I owe you a great debt. You're my father in the faith. You're my best friend. I love you. I'm excited to hear what God has to teach through you from his word. And that's a privilege for us to be able to hear God's word from you again. Would you come?
0: trouble I was having was trying to figure out who he was talking about <laughs> and I realized it was me and I was really concerned. I, I, I think uh, over the next four days you can pay that debt by just listening to me, right? It's probably going to be pretty pricey for you. Uh, it is, it's great to be here uh, and just an honor to uh, to get to be at Oakland Heights. Hopefully it'll last longer than it did last year, right? You know, I don't know if that's my fault or not, but uh, <laughs> Day in, we, we had to call things off last year. Uh, this is the, uh, maybe we could call this the, uh, the first annual gathering celebrating the 15 days to, you know, uh, <laughs> reduce the curve, flatten the curve, yeah. Uh, man, uh, that's, that's when it all got started, right? I think it's our fault, I'm not sure. Uh, but maybe we can start another movement this year uh, that'll impact the world, right, uh, for a good cause. Uh, it is an honor to be here and to uh, get to share with you uh, an honor that I'm undeserving of, uh, no doubt. Uh, there's a lot of you sitting out there who ought to be standing up here. Uh, could do a much better job than me, but I'm, I'm honored to be able to be here and certainly to be here at Oakland Heights. Uh, it's always a privilege to, to be with you guys and get to hang out with you and uh, to get to spend a few days just uh, worshiping together and, and getting reacquainted. Kind of reminds you what heaven's going to be like, right? Uh, We get to spend eternity together and no more goodbyes. Uh, I certainly look forward to that. Callie Harbin, thank you for leading us in worship tonight. Amen? Uh, What an awesome job. Not only only in the quality, but, but the reminder in the message, right? Don't you love songs that just encourage your heart and strengthen your heart, remind you that we have a God who stays, a God who, regardless of what comes in my life, and man, has anybody else over the last 365 days had some stuff come in your life? Uh, it's, it's been a tough go over the last year. I mean, since the last time we were together here, uh, it's it's been a tough year. Uh, I'm grateful that we have a God who stays. I'm grateful that His promises are true. I'm grateful that it's evident, right? I don't have to look very far. I'm pointing at the screen. That's where the words were. Uh, I don't have to look very far, just to the screen. That those words are true. God's promises are true. He is faithful. And you know, and sometimes when we've been through what we've been through over the last 365 days, I'm not going to lie to you. And I've had my moments. I've had times where I've struggled. I've had times when I've, I've been weary. I've been times when I've, I just be straight with you. I, I be, there's times when I say, God, I don't get this. When a 40-year-old missionary who can speak Arabic in a place that nobody else will go to lays down on the back of the church and dies, I struggle. When a good friend in his 50s who ministers faithfully in our community and, and, and has been an awesome minister of God dies, I struggle. I don't, what's going on? I've written almost 100 bereavement letters over the last year in our church. I struggle. I, I don't know. I'm just being honest you. Maybe this is all for me. But but I struggle sometimes with those things. There's times where man, I I I have a hard time putting all that together. Oh, like Mark I just say, I don't get it, God. I can't do that math. I don't understand how that brings you more glory. I know it does. But when, when we go through you know, when, when this whole deal hit last year, you know, Monday morning we realized we're over at Grand Oaks with Ray Thacker and having a great meal and we come to the realization we are the, we are the test case for the CDC on what you should not do. <laughs> right? Let's get a bunch of people together from all over the country and let's gather up real tight in one room and breathe on each other. And Alan Shelby, in his wisdom, in that meeting said, this is the great sifting of the church. This will be the great sifting of the church. And you know, at that moment, I thought, that's, that's probably a pretty good word. I stand here today to tell you, that man has wisdom. Uh, he, what he said is true, and we've seen that happen. And You know, and if the people who are supposed to know these things know these things, I don't know, they say 20 to 40% of the church is gone. 20 to 40% of the church. You know, I, so when we're singing that song, he's the God who stays. <laughs> My question for myself is, will I be the believer who stays? Will I be the believer who stays? He's, he's sure. He's faithful. He's not going anywhere. I can count on him. He's proven his faithfulness, just like the next song said, right? There's plenty of evidence of the faithfulness of God. Let me ask us tonight, where's the the evidence of the faithfulness of us? Where's the evidence of our faithfulness to that God who's been so faithful to us? And I'm not trying to be hard on us because I I, I told you, I struggle. I've had a hard time. And God has certainly asked me those questions. And so what I thought we would do over the next couple of days, it's just, it's just talk a little bit about that. I, I, I was led to read Paul's letters to Timothy, and I, I spent quite a bit of time reading through those letters. And, and you know, the thing that, that I found there was, over and over again, Paul is, is he's encouraging, he's admonishing Timothy, because there's so many people who have walked away from the faith. And you know, for me, it's not just the quantity of people, it's, it's who some of them are. I never would have dreamt that, that that walked away, but but it's happened, and and so that can be discouraging, that can be difficult, and so uh, the the thing that Paul keeps saying to him is there's people who who depart from the faith, and, and he references the latter times, and he says in the latter times there's going to be people who depart from the faith, and and let me tell you, hey, if you don't know it, newsflash, we live in the latter times, we live in the last days, Jesus is coming, uh, and he's coming soon, and. And so we should expect that. He, he talks about people who deny the faith, people who cast off their faith. He talks about people in the letter that, that are seduced by the world around them, the love of money and the, the acquiring of things and the discontentment and, and, and living for the American dream and they're, they're drawn away and they err from the faith. He, he talks about people who, who are overthrown, they, 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 there's profane and vain babblings, he says. And, and oppositions of science, falsely so called, can hardly spit that out. Boy, is there ever been a time when there was more vain and profane babblings going on? And, and because of that, people err from the faith. He he says there's people who are overthrown; their faith is overthrown. And, and people who he goes on to say that are even they, they resist the truth; they they have corrupt minds and. And they're literally reprobate. They're not even believers in Jesus Christ. They're not true followers of Christ. And, and when, we, when we go through times like that, when you experience I, I, I feel like I've experienced, I think I, I've seen all of that over the last 365 days. I've experienced that in my own church. Man, I need, I need some encouragement to stay in the fight. And, and that's what Paul's writing to Timothy about. He He's seemingly concerned. There's, there's all these casualties of war. And, and he even, it's amazing, you know, Paul feels like he has the liberty to start listing people by name. Well, we'd never get away with that today, would we? <laughs> start calling people out by name? You know, some of these people I've been thinking about while I've been talking for the last five minutes? I going to start giving you names. That wouldn't go well, would it? Paul didn't seem to care. He, he's just calling them out. He's listing their names. And, and he, he makes these broad statements that I, the only way I know to take them is literally. He, he says that all they which are in Asia be turned away from me. All. Everybody in Asia is turned away from me. He said at my first answer, no man stood with me. Nobody. You know, I wonder how well would we do if we had to stand alone? We had to stand alone. If everybody forsook the faith, how would we do? Would we keep standing? Would we keep believing? It'd be tough. But that's the admonition of the Apostle Paul. And as he writes to him, he's, he's admonishing him not to don't neglect the gift, right? Stir up that gift that's within you. And, and, he, and he makes the point that it's the gift that was given to him at the laying on of the hands of the Presbyterian. There's a lot of things that, that people suppose that to be and surmise that to be. But, but, but suffice it to say, he was, he was entrusted with ministry, the gift of the ministry. And if ministry is anything, it's evangelism and discipleship. That really is ministry. I mean, there's a lot of things we do, right? A lot of things we do that I get, I just get... I just get tired of doing it, man. I just, I just get tired of the show. He's encouraging Timothy. Stay in the fight. Keep those things as priorities. He, he uses, he, he, the word charge shows up, right? The word keep shows up. Hold fast, endure, remember, suffer. Whatever it takes, don't let go. Don't quit. Keep fighting. Keep going. And that's what what I want to talk about out of Timothy for the next couple of days. We'll land in in 2 Timothy tomorrow night. But for tonight, we're going to be in 1 Timothy chapter 1, if you want to turn there. And and, and what Paul talks about is that we're in a war. This thing's a fight. And, you know, probably if we surveyed everybody on the way in tonight, if we ask everybody, you know, hey, how would you describe the Christian life? Is it a Is it a playground? Or is it a battlefield? We'd all said it's a battlefield. Then why is it we're so surprised when somebody punches us in the nose? Not ah, physically, right? right? I don't get physically punched in the nose. I'm old enough now. I'm not interested in a physical fight, right? Sure not interested in a fair fight. Right. So, so I keep things that, you know, I can defend myself from a distance. I don't want you getting close. So don't come looking at me mean. I'll shoot you. Just kidding. Just kidding. Sort of. We're, we're in a spiritual war, right? We're in a spiritual battle. And, 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 but it seems like, you know, when, when, when the government says things that are contrary to the church, we're shocked by that. Oh, oh how could they ever declare such a thing? What well, they're, they're against what you're doing. <laughs> they're against God. They're, they're, they're governed by the God of this world. Uh, we, we shouldn't be shocked by that. We're, we're in a fight. We're in a war. We, we have an enemy. It's a spiritual fight, but, but nonetheless a fight. And, and really, truthfully, what discipleship is, is preparing soldiers for the fight. That's how serious discipleship is. I mean, I think if we were, if we were in the military and, and, and we were training soldiers who were about to go to the battlefield, we would be very serious about preparing them for what they're going to experience. Well, this is even more serious. We're preparing soldiers to, to fight in this warfare. Last year, we, we talked about kind of going back through some of those things, and I, I felt this was better. But you know, we, we, we've talked about maybe at nauseum, the, the children of Israel coming out of Egypt, and they're headed to the Promised Land, and God didn't let them go the near way, but he made them go down into the wilderness. And, and he did that on purpose, right? He said because he was, he was afraid that when they saw war, they would repent. If they didn't go through this process of development and growth, they, they wouldn't fight in the fight. They would repent from the warfare. When things got tough, they would back away. And so he, he said it's a necessary process. And certainly, it's a necessary process for our lives as well. And I wonder if it'd be fair to say that we've got a 20 to 40% fallout rate because we failed to disciple. I mean... Listen, don't get me wrong. I, I I know I can get in trouble talking about this crazy virus, and so I'm not going to talk about it a lot. And and, and it's bad. And and if you lost a loved one, it's especially bad. And and we've lost folks that are dear to me. It's serious and it's bad. But a lot of ways, I fear, I I think you ain't seen nothing yet. I, I think it might get a lot tougher before it gets a lot better. And so uh, we've got to prepare people for that. We're, we're in a, a war for the world. Uh, there's a fight ahead of us. And, and so I want to just talk about that for a few minutes tonight, just in general terms, that, that we're in a fight, that we're in a war. And, and then tomorrow night, we're going to talk about just some general principles about how we can be successful in that. So just a, a few things. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse, verse 18. This charge I committed to thee, son Timothy According to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou mightest war a good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience, which some having put away concerning faith have made shipwreck. That's another one of those statements, right? They they've put away faith and they've made shipwreck. Right? Of whom are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have delivered unto Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. Just just a few simple five simple principles that he lays out right there. The, the first one is, is just very simply, it's a real war. It's a real war. We're in a real war. This is not just some allegory. Uh, this is the truth. This is a real fight. It's a very, very real fight. And, and I think if we, if we take the scriptures literally, what we have to understand is it's, it's even more real than a physical fight. Right? We know Ephesians chapter 6 says we don't wrestle with flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Our our fight is is against all of this wickedness, right? It's not with flesh and blood, but principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world. We're in a fight, a spiritual battle, and it's more real than any physical fight we would ever be in. In fact, Paul tells the church at Corinth that, that those things that are or physical or just temporal. You know, I, I, I can go to war tonight and lose my physical life, but I'm going to live for eternity. But, but this fight that we're in has eternal ramifications. This, this battle that we're in, this war that we're in, is for the souls of, of men and women and boys and girls, but, but even more than that, it's for the glory of God. Amen? Amen? That's what this is about. It's about the glory of God. Can I, can I suggest to you tonight that, that that's what all of life is about? That's what our existence is about. It's about honoring and glorifying God with, with this life that we have. It's, it's why we exist. It's why we have life. And this fight is, is over that. Paul, Paul encourages Timothy to to stay in the fight and to to flee the things of this world. He tells him to to fight a good fight, to flee the world system, to follow after the things of righteousness, to lay hold on eternal life. And you know, I think it's been a bad year, but it could have a good result if it could cause us to let go of the things of this world. I, I think the thing that that hopefully we've learned and seen is that it can all be taken away in a millisecond. Everything. We we can think we're set up good, and that's the way we live as Americans, right? We we got it. We got insurance on our insurance, right? I mean, we have have contingency plans for our contingency plans. We're going to make sure that we never have to suffer for a millisecond. At least we think so. And then God comes along and says, no, that really isn't how this is going to play. Not, not if you live godly in Christ Jesus. You're going to suffer some persecution. There's going to be some tough things that come. And so if this whole pandemic deal could get us focused, if it could get us to the place that we would flee from the things of this world and, and seeking after wealth and material things, give up on the American dream, and follow after righteousness and godliness and faith and love and patience and meekness, if it could cause us to, to fight that fight, if we could lay hold on eternal life, the, the ideal not being laying hold on our eternal salvation, that, that's what happened when we got saved, right? Eternal life laid hold on us. And now what Paul's saying is, now you lay hold on eternal life. You, you live with eternity in your eyes. Live for there and then, not for here and now. That's the admonition. That's the thing. Paul wants son to realize that he's in a war because if he doesn't realize that he's going to be a loser yeah. he's going to lose the fight he's going to come out at the end having lost the fight if you don't know you're in a fight you're probably losing Just, just take probably out of that sentence I promise you, if you don't know you're in a fight, you're losing the fight. And Paul's concerned. We're in a war. We're in a war for the world. And every one of us, listen to me tonight, every one of us is either winning or losing. We're all either winning or losing. There's there's a war, it's a real war. And this is kind of the second part of that. There's a right war. There's a right front on which to fight. This year, I, I will have been in, quote unquote, you know, vocational ministry, getting my check at the church for 30 years. I think I need to sit down. Uh, just kidding, but I'm old. I've seen a lot of fights in church. I I can't think of one over anything that mattered. Everybody's fighting over stupid stuff. Their personal preferences. Their political opinions. I like this and I don't like that. Thank you. That's a good southern phrase there. I don't know who said that. Bless their heart. For you for you northerners, that really doesn't mean bless their heart. It means much worse things. We can't say them in church, so we just say that one. Bless their heart. And here in the south, we know what that means. Oh, boy. Yeah. I grew up in the south. I remember distinctly one time my mother said, "Bless his heart," and my daddy immediately followed it with, "Bust his butt." (laughs) A little, capsule of my upbringing. Sorry, I digress. You know, most of the things that people fight over in church, it won't take but about a millisecond in heaven to realize it didn't matter. Come on, let's let's get away from the petty stuff. Let's get away from our our preferences and our style. What we like and what we don't like. It doesn't matter. We have a mission. I mean, can you imagine a soldier showing up to fight? You know, and he, he, he doesn't like. I don't, you know, I don't think I look good in green. <laughs> Does this come in, you know, mauve? Is that, a still, is that still a cutter? I don't know. That may not even be a color anymore. Again, did, did you, don't, I was, I'm old. Don't forget. Forget your preferences. doesn't matter what you like and dislike. We've got, we got to get away from consumer Christianity. Get back to the word of God and the mission that we've been called to. We're in a fight. We're in a war. Report for duty. And quit complaining and fighting over silly things. Go fight that enemy out there, the, the God of this world, who wants to see the name of Jesus Christ desecrated and, and wants to d- t- take as many as he can to hell, that, that wants to eliminate the glory of God. Let's go fight that. Let's give our energy and our effort to that. Not fighting amongst ourselves. We've been called to live for the glory of God. And, and listen, sometimes we feel like that's a little bit of a nebulous thing. You know, it's, well, I don't, I don't know. Okay, am I glorifying God with my life? Jesus said, Herein is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit. He made it really clear, it's very simple. It's not easy, but it's simple. Herein is my father glorified. How do, I, how do I glorify God with my life? Jesus told you, bear much fruit. And the only way to bear much fruit is when your fruit bears fruit. That's that's discipling. That's that's what we'll see, the, the strategy. We won't spend a lot of time with it, but the strategy that he gives, Paul gives Timothy, that you take those things that I've taught you and then you teach others. He'll teach others, he'll teach others, he'll teach others to the fourth generation. So, so we do a good enough job, we, we train well enough that they can go and train others so that we're reproducing reproducers. And so that we can go out and, and liberate the captives, right? That's what Jay talked about this morning, going and liberating the captives. We, we need to train the men. We need to train those that are within our, our family, within our house, so that they can go and be liberators, so they can set free the captives. We're in a war. It's a real war. And in the war, there's a charge. He says, this charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou that by them that thou by them, I'll get it out, mightest war a good warfare. There's a charge. And that word shows up regularly again in the, the two letters that Paul writes to Timothy. It's, it's translated here in the same chapter two times as as, com- as commandment and, and as commitment. It's uh, it's a charge. We've been commanded to do some things, and, and we're to be committed to that. We've been given, we've been entrusted the gospel. If you look down at verse number 11, according as the glorious gospel of the blessed God was committed unto my trust, it's, it's the charge, it's the commitment that we have. We've been commanded to go, hey, listen, good news, over the next few days, we're not going to ask for anybody to volunteer to do anything, because none of us are volunteers, We've been bought. So often we, we, we act like it's optional. You know, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know, Pastor. I don't, I don't really feel like doing that discipleship thing. I don't think that's my thing. I can, can you imagine? A, a, a military soldier, you, you, you just signed up and you walk up to the drill sergeant and say, yeah, you know, that PT thing, and, and by the way, I'm, I'm not really cu- accustomed to getting up before nine in the morning, so if you could just hold it down a little, that'd be good. Thanks. You, you think that'd go well? Yeah. <laughs> my, my brother's been there, right? He, he speaks from experience. It'd probably go well for the sergeant, but not so well for the, the enlistee, right? But somehow we, we forget that we've been bought with a price. Isn't that what Paul told the church at Corinth? And, and he says, What? I mean, it's, you can hear the exasperation in his voice, right? What? Don't, don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which, you, which is in you, which you have of God? You're not your own. You've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. We, we belong to Him it's not an optional thing. It's not our choice. It's not what we, you know, we, we we think we're into. You know, I'm not sure I want to. It really doesn't matter. You, you could say we're, it's not even like we've been drafted. It, it's like we're gladiators because <laughs> God bought us. We belong to him. We, we don't get to choose. So, we, we won't be asking anybody to sign up. What we will be asking for is for you to report for duty. To get back to where God's called you to be. To be a committed soldier. I, I'm afraid there's a lot of people who are AWOL. Absent without leave. Over the last year, I'm afraid there's a lot of people who've been taken as POWs. And the enemy has used this thing, man. He's used it masterfully, hasn't he? To separate the body of Christ. You know, this is an aside, so I'll probably get in trouble with it, but it's okay. I'm I'm a guest speaker. (laughs) I can say anything I want to. It's James' fault. (laughs) You know, the Bible tells us that Satan goes about how? Seeking whom he may devour. You ever been on a safari? You ought to go. James will pay for it. (laughs) If If you've ever been on a safari, you've ever watched a lion work, what do they do? They ease around and I've got a video that, it's an awesome video. I can't show it because people get offended. But it's, it's a warthog trying to match up with a line. Didn't work out for the warthog. But that's what he did to this warthog. He separated him from the rest. And once he got him separated, he destroyed him. That's, that's what Satan is doing to the body of Christ. Right? He's, he's separated us out got us away from the herd, and he's devouring us. And we can't let that happen. And so if you've been a POW or if you've been AWOL, it's time to report for duty. It's time to come back. It's time to get back in the war. We, we need everyone, right? Everybody has a critical role to play because the Holy Spirit of God lives within you. And he's given you a supernatural enablement that's important to the body of Christ. And, and that needs to be reproduced. And so we need, to, we need to report for duty, recognizing who we are and where we fit in the org chart. That, that we're on the bottom of the rung and, and we're just going to show up and do what God's called us to do and be faithful to him. And so it's, it's a real war and there's a charge in the war. And, and then there's a weapon in this warfare, right? Uh, he says, "I char- this charge I committed to thee, Timothy's son can't read tonight this charge I commit unto thee son Timothy according to the prophecies which went before on thee that thou by them mightest war a good warfare Jay talked about this morning that Abraham has these men and, and and he he's trained them and he arms them and he sends them out to deliver the captives that, that there's there's a there's a warfare that's going on and 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 we have a charge to be a a part of that, and and we have a weapon. And the weapon that we have is is the prophecies, it's the word of God. God's called us to deliver the captives, and the weapon that we have in order to do that is is the word of God. I love the Old Testament story in Ezra, Ezra chapter 6. The children of Israel have come out of the captivity, and they've gone back, and God's directed them to rebuild the city of Jerusalem, to build God's house, right? And and they, for 14 years, have have ceased to do that. They, Boy, they went AWOL for a minute, right? 14 years. You might be here tonight, and in 14 years, you've not led anybody to Christ or discipled anybody. Can I lovingly say, let me say it this way. (laughs) It's more loving if I say it this way. If that's me, I'm no better than them. They've been outbidding their own house. They've been doing their own thing, right? That's, that's what we, we, we learn from the scriptures, right? They, they built their own house, and they let God's house lie waste. And Ezra shows up with the word of God. And what the Bible tells us in Ezra chapter 6, I won't take time to read it all, they, they prospered through the prophesying of Haggai. right? Haggai comes, and he calls them out, and, and, and he he, he brings them back to the mission. And, and ultimately what it tells us down in verse number 15, that the house is finished. They respond to that. They, they prosper through the prophesying of the word of God. They, they had been AWOL or, or maybe even deserters, but when the word of God is spoken, they respond to the word of God. And, and what God is doing with Timothy is he's calling him out. He's, he's, he's calling him out by the word of God, and he's calling us out by the word of God that we would war a good warfare, that we would get involved in this conflict The the reason that we we put such an emphasis on discipleship in the Living Faith Fellowship, the reason that we have this conference is to remind ourselves the importance of all of us learning how to use the weapon that we have, the Word of God. It it is incredibly powerful. In fact, the Bible tells us, Paul tells us that we don't walk in the flesh, we don't war after the flesh. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds and casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. You know, if let me just say after the year that we've had it's so important that everybody gets involved. It's so important that all of us learn how to use the weapon that we've been given I'm going to say, I I don't imagine that we have any idea how many people have been taken captive. How many people have imaginations and high things and all these things going on in their heads? How many people are dealing with depression and they're despondent and their lives are a wreck? We've got the answers. We have a powerful, a mighty weapon. They don't need Freudian psychology. They need somebody who knows how to handle this mighty weapon. Not not to harm them, but to help them. To, To deal with the issues in their life. The answers are here. The sad news is, most Christians don't know how to handle the weapon. My brother is... a ex-military, he's retired from the military, he's retired law enforcement, then back in law enforcement, and he, he's a firearms instructor, and, and, he, and he's, you know, he's always told me, don't carry a gun unless you know how to use it, because if you don't know how to use it, somebody will take it away from you and use it on you. I see a lot of truth in that for Christians. We know enough about the Bible just to be dangerous. Just enough about the Bible for somebody to take it away from us and use it against us. Again, let me just, that's why discipleship is so important. That's why it's so important that we learn the word of God, that we be training people in the truths of the word of God, that they learn how to use their weapon that can be effective in the fight. There's a war, there's, there's a charge in this war, there's a weapon in this war, and, and there's winners. Notice what he says in First number 19, holding faith and a good conscience. Conscience. Holding faith. He, he, he's encouraging Timothy to remain faithful. So many people, as we saw when we began tonight, have fled from the faith, they've denied the faith, they've made shipwrecked of their faith. He's encouraging Timothy to hold faith. He's the God who stays. We're the believers who stay, who hold faith, who are going to stand true to God in his word. Chapter, 2 Timothy, chapter one, he, he talks about hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. Hold fast the form of sound words. In Titus he says, holding fast the faithful word as thou hast been taught that he may be able to able by sound doctrine to exhort and convince the gainsayers. He's talking about knowing how to use this book well enough that, that I can minister into the lives of people. that that I can exhort them and I can convince them of the truth of the Word of God. We've got to grow up in the Word. And and I think it's always been important, quite obviously. But I think more now so than than ever. I I do really believe that we're approaching the end. And I've said this throughout this year. I said it early in the year and and I believed it then. I really believe it now. I think the empirical evidence is in. And it's true that God's taking all the good ones. He's left the rest of us to manage the shutdown. Yeah. Welcome to the shutdown crew. But I don't tell you on the shutdown crew, we better be ready. We better be ready to fight. And, and I'm not talking about, right, it's not a physical warfare. It's much more serious than that. We, we battle not against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. we we got to be ready to, to fight that fight. Our, our carnal weapons are no good. We need the mighty weapon of the word of God. We don't have, need to know how to wield that weapon. It's so critical that we hold fast to the faith. I, I love what Paul says at the end of his life, right? You get over to the second letter where he's writing to Timothy and and he says, I, I fought a good fight. I kept the faith. I finished my course. Last, last year, Pastor Mark spoke for our men's conference for the churches over in Alabama. And, and he was closing the time out. He, he spent some time in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 7, and, and talked about that, a good fight. He said, the only good fight is the fight that you're winning, right? You, know, you, you never described anything as a good fight that you lost. <laughs> it's only a good fight if we're winning. Paul won the fight. He fought a good fight. He finished his course. It's a fight. It's my course. God has a course for your life. And he intends for us to finish. He, he kept the faith. The faith's the same for all of us. Standing true for the faith of the word of God our survival depends upon how well we're able to handle the weapon. It's the reason that we're here. It's the reason that we emphasize discipleship. It's the reason that we take this time every year to reiterate the importance of discipleship. I need that. There's winners who, I skipped the good conscience part, sorry. He he talks about holding fast the word of God and, and then with a good conscience and suffice it to say he's We live it out, right? It's not just filling my head with knowledge. It's it's living this out. It's it's having a clear conscience before God. Over and over again in this in this text, Paul talks about it. It's living a a good conscience with faith unfeigned. We we can't fake it, there's no hypocrisy. We're we're living out the truth of the word of God before a world that needs desperately to see that. We have a good conscience. I, I, I would say it this way, never, never trust your conscience, never violate your conscience. Never trust it, trust the Word of God, amen? Now, this is the, 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 the infallible God of my life, so I'm not going to trust my conscience, even if my conscience says it's okay, now what does the Word of God say? But I'm also never going to violate my conscience, because my conscience is what God's using to speak to me through the Word of God. He, he warns, Paul warns Timothy about the times in which we live. Now speak of the Spirit expressed in chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. I think these are on the screen. Then the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. And I know, oh, Joe, Joe, we're the living faith fellowship. That could never happen to us. I think some of us could testify to the fact that we've seen it happen to others who were of us, but they are no longer. And and they're speaking the very things, seducing spirits and and doctrines of devils and lies and hypocrisy. We need to have... There's winners, and, and the reason there are winners is through the Word of God and through conscience. And then the last thing real quickly as there there's not just winners, there's there's losers. Holding faith in a good conscience, which some having put away concerning faith have made shipwreck. Of whom is Hymenius and Alexander, whom I've delivered unto Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. I don't know what all of eternity is going to look like. But I think it's safe to say, you don't want your name recorded like that for all of eternity. You don't want it called out like that. Again, Paul seems to be okay with, with calling names. There's, there's losers in the fight. Again, I, one of the things that Pastor Mark reiterated to us so many times, and it seemed like always when he spoke, somehow the, the judgment seat of Christ would come up. And living in light of the judgment seat of Christ. And listen, it's there what it, where it will be revealed. Who are the winners and who are the losers? Some are going to suffer loss and some are going to receive a reward. You know, when I think about that day, when I think about standing before the Lord Jesus Christ, and I think about seeing him as he is, and seeing myself as I really am, when I understand what he really did for me, and I realize little I did for Him. That does concern me. That's the terror of the Lord that Paul talks about. Standing in the presence of my Lord and Savior. You ever, this, this is infinitely smaller, most of the husbands in the room can identify. Some occasion in your life and you're exchanging gifts, and whomever you're exchanging gifts with, with did something really nice for you. And you stopped by the convenience store on the way home. Right? Every male in the room connects right there, right? Remember how bad you felt? You remember what a slug you felt like? Well, multiply that by a billion. You're standing in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, who took the wrath of God on your behalf. What have I done with what he gave me? I don't want to be a loser on that day. I want to be a winner. How about you? We're at war. It's going on right now, tonight. It's very real, it's happening in this very moment. We need to recognize who we are, where we fit in the food chain, and get involved. If you're AWOL, report for duty. Not as a volunteer, but as a committed soldier of Jesus Christ. Get back in to what God's called us to. It's infinitely important, considering the times in which we live. Sons of Issachar, they understood their times. They knew what Israel ought to do. Let's be like them. Let's understand the times in which we live. We're in the very last of the last days. We're moments from the rapture of the church. If you're going to do anything for God, you better do it now. Get involved. All the rest of this stuff doesn't matter. All that matters is what's going to last for eternity. Father, we love you. And even as I say those words, they ring hollow. Because they're not just about the words that we speak, but it's the lives that we live. God, you've called us, you've charged us, you've commanded us to your service. Father, we want to be faithful, we want to be good soldiers. We want to bring glory to the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Father, we confess tonight that there are times when we struggle, when when we're tempted to be drawn away from faith and staying true to you and to your word and to your ministry. Tonight, I pray you'd take your words and you would encourage our hearts and strengthen us and call us back into your service. Father, for those that are here tonight that that haven't been involved in the, the fight, that haven't Used the, the gospel to lead someone to you or, or disciple someone in and maybe even years. God, I pray that you would help them to have the courage that it takes to re-enlist. God, I pray for all of us who are involved, that are sharing the gospel and discipling, Lord, may we may we be encouraged and, and ready to continue that fight. Looking forward to the day when we stand before you and and worshipers are multiplied unto you singing praises to the name of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. I would pray that you would be with us over the next couple of days as we talk about this most important of of commissions that we've been given to reproduce reproducers. May you use the things that we hear and we learn to penetrate our hearts and our lives, that we would serve you as good soldiers of your Son, Jesus Christ. I pray in Christ's name.
1: Wow, man, yeah, what a good start, right? Praise the Lord. Are you in the battle? Man, can I just read to you? I don't want to add anything to that, you know, just what pastors do. Man, if you're, you listen to that and you think, man, I haven't really even been aware of the battle that we're in. Maybe I've been AWOL, maybe I've been taken captive by the enemy. That I really feel like the verses you read, Second Timothy chapter 2, or what just happened tonight. Verse 24 says, And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. If God, peradventure, will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. That they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him at his will. I'm going to tell you, man, that's an awesome sermon, but Brother Joe can't recover you. It says here you've got to recover yourself. Now, he has, in meekness, instructed us with the Word of God, and he's given us the, the sword of the Spirit, which will set us free, but we're going to have to repent and recover ourselves from that snare of the devil to get back into the battle, and I don't know where you're at, man. This is, just left me some things to pray about tonight. I pray that you'll do that. You'll come back tomorrow ready to receive what God has for us as a war. Man, we need, to, we need some training. We need some time to go through some maneuvering and some, some, some tactics together. So I'm excited about the next couple of weeks, or the next couple of days. <laughs> the conference isn't that long. Some of you are hosting families and you're like, oh no, was it a couple of weeks? Just a couple of days. Man, what a good start tonight. It started with uh, Callie Harbin's worship team. Thank you so much. Um, man, powerful. Thank you, Joe. I'm looking forward to what God has for us. Um, I do want to tell us about uh, one more thing that we're going to do. Um, we referenced Mark Trotter a couple times, a few times tonight. And uh, it, it feels kind of like the elephant in the room. Um, and we have prayed about What should we do? This is the first time our fellowship has gotten together. And we don't really have any great answers for that. Um, We will be looking at, I'm sure the pastors are meeting tomorrow. If you're a uh, pastor of the Living Faith Fellowship or even if you just want to come, you're a pastor of a church, you want to go eat lunch with us, we invite you to lunch tomorrow after the morning session. And I'm sure that's going to be a topic of discussion, all that he was involved with and his vision and his work. And what can we do? But one thing we're going to do tonight is uh, we're going to. I'm going to show you a video. I'm going to tell you one thing that we can do. So, guys, would you go ahead and roll the roll the video? In Luke chapter 14 and verse
2: 25, Luke says, "And there went great multitudes with him." And let me just say here that. For most people in the ministry in the last days that's the goal to have great multitudes fill our buildings every Sunday having great multitudes equals success but it becomes obvious that great multitudes wasn't how Jesus measured success because what Luke says here in verse 25 after that is he's got these great multitudes that are back here. It says, and he, he turned. So do you see what Luke is saying here? Can you see it in your mind? He, he, he's walking and hears all these throngs of people behind him. And all of a sudden he says, hold up. And he turns around and Luke says, and he turned and said unto them, verse 26 if any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters yea, <laughs> his own life also he cannot be my disciple And do you see it? Jesus says here the same basic thing that Naomi said to Ruth and Oprah. (laughs) Orpah, for the record. And he says, hey, do you realize that by becoming my true disciple that it's going to impact every relationship in your life including the relationship that you have with yourself and jesus says so listen you need to count the cost of whether you think a relationship with me is more important than every other relationship in your life and again Including the relationship that you have with yourself. And in verse 27, he adds, and whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. And again, it's no different than what Naomi said to Ruth and Orpah. What Jesus says here is, Do you realize that by following me it's gonna mean that you have to be willing? To sacrifice everything you've arranged in your life to bring you happiness and comfort. And again, I want to say, y'all, salvation is a free gift. Hallelujah to you. But Jesus wants to make sure. All of us that have gathered this week to talk about discipleship, that we understand that there is a cost to discipleship.
1: Doesn't that just remind you of what a rich treasure we had? I feel kind of like, and I don't want to bring down the war analogy to something as petty as sports, but sometimes when there's, when victory is imminent and you know you've won the game, the coach starts bringing to the sidelines those star players, doesn't it feel like that's kind of what's going on? Give them a round of applause.
0: We hope this message was a blessing to you. If you're interested in learning more about the Living Faith Fellowship, visit lffellowship.com. God bless.